Greetings, aliens. It is me, your one and only host, Ms. Ella Sanchez of the Nadia Pregunto podcast, because truly no one asked for this podcast whatsoever, but I'm having a blast. I hope you guys are doing great. Um, You know, guys, I'm a little out of it today. Not only is it a week before I'm getting my period, it is also PMS week. Um, I danced this morning. I'm very tired um, and I couldn't do any recording this week at all. So today's the only day. It is Saturday, January 22nd. It's 4.30. The, the sun is beaming. Unfortunately, though, it's been windy today. Nice weather, but a little too much wind for my comfort. But how are you guys? If you're new to the podcast, what took you so long? You have a lot to catch up on. It's time you caught up and then we get to know each other more. And if you're tuning back in, then hi, babe. Welcome back. How are those New Year's resolutions going? I already broke mine and I'm going to do better. But um, in case you guys want some ASMR, which you never asked. Yes, ma'am. That's my iced coffee I got this morning. And a little story time for you, but we'll get into that soon. But you read the title. You're probably really confused right now, but I'm here to help. I'm here to get educated with you. We're in this together, babe, and I know you're tired of hearing that from this entire pandemic, but it's true. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Much love. And hello, my fellow aliens. We're back. I'm going to take a sip of this coffee, which, by the way, iced. Oh, yeah, here we go. Just for the record, that was a straw, not me. I don't gurgle my coffee. That's some suspicious shit right there. Um, let's let's get into today's topic because it's a it's a heavy one, not in a bad way. Just something I need to rant about, but not in like a negative connotation. Like I just need to rant about it for the sake of myself. So the inspiration, like the title of this episode, actually is not your token, and we're gonna get into why I entitled it that. Um, but the inspiration behind this roughly is I'm a TV enthusiast. I love a good TV show. Whenever TV shows come out and there's promotion for it, literally I live in Los Angeles. Like it's bound, I bound to see it somewhere, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's an an ad somewhere, I am bound to see every TV show episode or new TV show that's coming out pretty much easily accessed to me in any type of way and I'm a huge TV enthusiast I prefer TVs over films I'm sorry I can't sit through one to two hours of a film and yet I can sit through um, maybe 20 to 55 minutes worth of an episode in every TV show yet I just prefer TV shows because one there's a continuous plot two it's like if I'm the only person in my entire family and friend group or whatever that knows and watches a show it's just like my personal comfort show it's my personal thing it's just mine, you know? And I like to watch it when I'm in bed. Like, just, I don't have to, like, share it with anyone. I don't have to wait to watch it with someone. I just can watch it whenever I want. And I just love that. It's just me as a person. Like, I love a good TV show. And not only is there a good TV show, it's just there are flaws in begin, like, in the nitty-gritty of it all. And I just want to pinpoint that specifically and just overall the concept of tokenism as a grander, broader spectrum. And then 
TV shows and media would be like a subtopic under that umbrella of tokenism. But that's the episode inspiration today. Like I said, I'm a huge TV enthusiast to the max. You don't even know. Like I'm a huge TV fan. And to be honest with you, I care more about TV shows and films, like I said, but also like if you don't watch a TV show that I show you or recommend to you, I will get offended. Like I will not get you a present for any holiday or birthday present or anything like that. You don't deserve it unless you watch the shit I tell you to. I'm not sorry about it. I'm really not. Like get educated. I have great TV show recommendations. Um, and that's about it. That That's about it, you know? And so with that, of course, the topic of tokenism comes with a disclaimer a friendly disclaimer of course um and i'm going to be speaking upon me as a minority quote minority in the u.s i don't really consider myself a minority even though technically i really am um actually no let me take that back i am i am 1000 percent a minority in the u.s um if you're not white and male you're pretty much a minority <laughs> in some way and I would like to speak on this and from my point of view as someone that intakes media, as someone that sees it on the daily, as someone that is frustrated at the moment in this time. And no, I don't want to be speaking on behalf of a different community of minorities. This isn't the Struggle Olympics, you guys. And I don't wish to step on anyone's shoes or just like anyone's toes because this is from what I've noticed and seen through my eyes and film and TV and just like just media intake in general and just daily life as well of course like it's just like from my point of view and like i said i don't want to speak on behalf of any other community that isn't mine because i'm i fall under you know um latina or whatever i guess and in reality i don't even like that word either i don't really care for it i don't care about latin i don't care about the specifics of it all like honestly i just consider myself to be peruvian or south american those are like what I would prefer to be called, if that makes sense. But I can speak on behalf of South America. I can speak on behalf of Peru. I can speak on that behalf, but I can't speak for anyone else outside of that realm. That's not my place. But if we're going to talk about just the U.S., I would just like to speak on my point of view, my perspective through, through my lens as a Peruvian woman in the States and having Peruvian immigrants. Um, and yeah, I think that's where I would like to leave it. Um, like I said, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. No disrespect whatsoever. And if anyone wants to call me out or have a few conversation about it in my DMs, great. I would like to get educated more. But from what I would like to dive into, which we're going to slowly transition into, before I even do that, I'm going to take another sip of this coffee. You may mute yourself or mute, mute me for a minute. love these paper straws and plastic cups makes no sense to me <sighs> big breath big breath in <sighs> grab your coffee your tea your hydro flask with water my hydro flask right here is green it has ice it has water and it has cucumber in it so i'm gonna take a little sip of that and there we go let's dive in shall we friends let's dive in <laughs> Now, tokenism. It's, it's, whew. I first learned about the term in community college. So I was about 19 or 18, around that time, latest 20, but I want to say like 19 for sure. 
And it was in my women's studies class. And I only know how to describe tokenism through an example, which I will provide, that I thought off the top of my dome, you know. But, but I do remember briefly and very briefly talking about tokenism in one of my other episodes. I don't know which one. I don't remember. I just know I have touched upon it very briefly in time. And if you want the literal definition of it, I am going to give it to you by google.com. <laughs> so tokenism, according to Google, is the practice of making only a perfunctionary or symbolic effort to do a particular thing, especially by recruiting a small number of people from underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of sexual or racial equality within a workforce. And an example of it in a sentence is the use of gay supporting characters is mere tokenism. And like I said, I learned through example, that's just how I work. Maybe you're different. Maybe you like totally got that and you're like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, nope, I I need an example. Hold on. I'm about to burp. Hold on. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's coming. It's coming. So sorry, you guys. Okay. So like I said, I learned through example. I'm going to give you an example in case you're a little fuzzy on the concept of tokenism. So here's an example. I came off, (laughs) off the dome. Let's see. Let's start with like a tech company to set the scene, right? Let's say that a black woman applies for a high paying coding job at this tech company or said tech company. She scored top of her classes at MIT. She has excellent projects and knowledge in her coding field. She has several internships with several other companies and um, other projects, several awards, etc. all the good. She's got an impeccable resume, of course. Then she goes in for her interview at this office for this tech company and realizes that she's the only black woman there and also the only black woman applying. However, she eventually lands the job. We love that for her. I'm happy for her. She notices in her time there that her bosses and coworkers make her life a living hell. They mess with her coding, bother her on the job, give her little to no projects, give her impossible tasks to do in a shortened time, disrespect her and her work, etc. You get the vibe. Hence, workplace harassment and workplace disrespect. We've all lived through one that one that that one hell coworker or that one hell boss. Just think of it. Think back in your mind, just reminisce a little bit. Just like, ah, that time. Just think of how disrespectful that coworker or boss was to you, your fellow coworkers, etc. All right. And so, the real kicker though, the higher ups are, the higher uppers of or no, the real kicker, the higher ups of this tech company continuously preach about diversity and inclusivity. All meanwhile, this one black woman is getting hit with all the negatives. This is the example of tokenism at its finest hour. Now, look, it's real. You may not have heard of it in real life. A lot of people should be talking more about it. And yes, it is very difficult to speak up about it. And look, it's hard. And if you are listening to this and you have been a token employee or token friend, maybe, or token family member, whatever it may be, because it does come in different shapes, ways, forms, and etc. I'm sorry. And I can speak on behalf roughly a little bit because a long time ago, I, like I said, if you know me at all, I used to live in Florida. Florida is a really interesting place if you are anyone that isn't white. And so 
It depends on where you are, though. If you go to Miami, it's a little more diverse, which I love. That's literally the only reason why I want to move to Miami for that reason. It's beautiful people, beautiful cultures, people from different countries, immigrants, like just everywhere. Like literally no one speaks English there. And that to me is like a safe space for me. And anywhere else, though, anywhere else that isn't Miami in the state of Florida, garbage. I don't fuck with it. Sorry, I just don't. And so, a long time ago, in a wild, wild city called Boca Raton, if you know, you know. And like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I am very familiar with the state of Florida. I've been to Orlando twice. I am planning to go very soon, actually. I have friends there. Orlando, the the county of Fort Lauderdale, that area, Boca Raton, or should I say Boca Raton? No, it's Boca Raton, just so you know, which literally translates to rat's mouth. Um, if you know, you know. It's funny how, like, so many cities are, after a Spanish name, have Spanish in them, and people really, just these conservatives, just really don't want to believe it. And it's like, no, babe. Tell me where you live. San Diego? Okay, cute. Santa Monica? What's that in English for me? Exactly. Exactly. Where do you live? Right, you live in Santa Monica. Oh, okay, so translate that for me, babe. Exactly, you can't. And so, my point remains. So in a beautiful, really, 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 really white city, you know, Boca, Boca Raton, Florida, I have predominantly white friends. All of them. Am I proud of that? No. But I was so young at the time. I was like in elementary, middle school at this time. And I didn't really see that that could be an issue. I never saw that as an issue. I just saw it as friends. And I remember a long time ago, I think I was in gym class or something. I don't know. I just know I was in the gym of my of my school. I was about to say college, yo, I'm so old. But in the gym at my school at the time, I don't know how old I was. I don't remember. I really don't, honestly. But I was really young. I was definitely in maybe late elementary school or even maybe early middle school. And what happened was, is that I, like, I think my friends at the time, they were like kind of, you know, ganging up on me. They were like, you never hang out with us. Like, you're always in Miami with your family. Like, what do you like? You never hang out with us. I'm like, I don't know what to respond to that because one, I'm a child, and two, my parents just take me this, take me to Miami every weekend. Like I don't really have a say. I'm just down to go. I'm just like, yeah, cool. I don't have plans. Let's go. Like, what are they? Gonna, what am I gonna do? I was like, sorry, mom, I have plans with my girl, like Amy, at like 10 a.m. And how am I gonna get there? I don't even drive. I have no vehicle. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, we're gonna like hang out at her place. And I'm just like, oh wait, with what vehicle? Exactly, with what license? Exactly. So when you're that young, you don't have plans. You have plans with your family for that long if you grew up in a, that kind of environment, of course. But I didn't really, I, I was just like, why are you ganging up on me right now? Because you act like I have a say in this. Like you act like I'm just like, oh yeah, like whatever. And we never make these plans that you so call say to do. And so 
I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know. I don't even remember how I responded during that time. And eventually we got to the topic of, I'm like, yeah, I'm always at the beach with my family. That's just kind of how I roll. And they're like, yeah, clearly, because you're so tan. I would die to have a tan like you. I'm like, pause, pause. Look, I tan very easily in Florida. In LA, not so much, but I tan so much easier in Miami or just in Florida in general because of the humidity. Apparently it helps me. I don't know. I just tan quicker and easier when I'm on the beach in Miami. And I was on the beach like literally every weekend. I'm not kidding. Like I would go to school in Boca and then I would go to the beach in Miami for like from Friday to Sunday or Saturday. And I basically know both areas very well, but also like, um, yeah, just I guess that's like kind of me explaining how I got the tan, if you will. I'm like, it's like they were calling, they were like confused as to like, oh my God, I would love to be tan like you, whatever. I'm like, wait, pause. Pause just a minute, girl. <laughs> girl, you mean to tell me you don't, you, you don't know that people make, more, like some people out there, like mainly minorities make more melanin? You didn't know that? Is that like some foreign thing to you? Because to me, that's completely normal. <laughs> me tanning is completely normal. And then I meet people that are like pay like thousands or like hundreds of dollars every week to get tan. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean something you got to, you get to pay? You have to pay to go a shade darker. That's sad, bro. <laughs> that's fucking embarrassing. Or should I say embarrassing? That's so tragic, bro. And actually, it's funny because I can, I still have to work to get at least even a remote tan in Miami. And there are people, believe it or not, guys, crazy, crazy enough. There are people that are naturally brown. <gasps> crazy, crazy how that works. Uh, amazing. In case you didn't know, now you know. <gasps> wow. Wow. The more you know, mind blown, wild. And so I felt like the token years later, I felt like years, years and years later, I'm like, oh my God. Was I the token friend? Was I? And then I realized that maybe or maybe not, you know, we were really young. How the hell was I gonna know what the fuck tokenism was when I was at that age? I was probably like, what, like 10, nine? How was I ever gonna be able to put a definition to a face or a situation? I didn't even know that could exist and I found out when I was the age of 19, so essentially almost a decade later, about what the fuck tokenism is, what it consists of, tokenism in real life, tokenism in the media, tokenism on TV shows and films, etc. right? And so, like I said to the people that are listening, if you ever feel like you're the token friend, you probably are, and you should run while you can. And I mean, like when you're a kid, you don't know that, you don't understand it, and years later, I've had moments years later where I realized how fucked up things were from like a psychological point of view. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, that's um, it's pretty dark. <laughs> Can't believe that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially that's my example of tokenism and it's just interesting how it does play a role in people's lives, in people's workplaces, in people's education systems and how they are, you know. Um, I went to a Catholic high school, predominantly everyone there was white and the people that were there that were not white were 
fighting very hard for their place when they shouldn't have to, you know? You shouldn't have to fight for a seat at the table when the, ta- the table should be welcoming in general. You do not have to fight for a place that you're like at the table. Let me rephrase that, okay. Not me being gone. No, I'm kidding, you guys. This is very serious. Um, look, not... Hold on. I need to rephrase this better because having to fight for a seat at the table is pointless when the table should be open and accepting. Like, that should just be a given. That should be just something that's normal. All right? That's something that should just be a standard, normal, and completely just the norm if that makes sense like it doesn't have to be like oh wow they have to try harder because of this i'm like no 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 one should be having to try harder for respect decency any of the most basic human rights like hello we have civil rights we have civil liberties as people in the u.s quote the quote we do and yet nobody decides to follow them sometimes you know no one just people think they can be out in the open disrespectful and racist and not being welcoming to the world around them. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. And I'm talking to you, Karens. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Karens. You know exactly who you are. All right. So there's tokenism in real life for you in case you wanted a real life example. And I'm sure that anyone listening can feel that they've been a token at one point in their life. And if you haven't, then congratulations. Good for you, babe. But if you ever feel like you were at some point or you're questioning right now, you're like, damn, have I been? Have I been the token friend? And not only is this about race, this is about the LGBTQ plus community as well. And this is the point where intersectionality comes in, which I will make another episode on that as well, because I definitely want to talk about it because tokenism and intersectionality come together quite frequently. They definitely clash. Um, They're both equally hand in hand, very significant in minorities in the world. Um, But yeah, there's LGBTQ plus tokenism. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think it's time that people realize that most of the humor they get from TikTok is AAVE. And not only that, um, it's not it's not like Internet culture. I am. I'm like a thousand percent sure the black community has like been like, yeah, we've been saying this for years. Like our family says this. They've been saying this for centuries. You're not internet and quirky. You're just AAV. Like that's all you're doing. And I'm like, oh, that's why I like to not really use internet slang too much. Like that's why I'm like trying to like cut down on that right now because I'm just like one, I'm about to be 23, you guys. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to be saying this when I'm like, I do not want to be saying like, it's the this for me. Oh my God, period, sis. Like, I don't want to be saying that when I'm like 25. On God, I really don't be. Like, I really don't want to be. Like, um, I've already done my internet life. I've already done it since I was 11. I'm almost 23 now. Um, I, I, think I, I think I've reached my limit at this point. Like, let's like use vocabulary, you guys. Like, let's like, let's, like use vocabulary. Let's like go on, you know, you know, the thesaurus, if you will. All right. It's cute when you're like 20. It's cute when you're like 19. It's cute when you're 18. It's cute when you're in high school. It's cute when you're maybe in your like late, you know, very early 20s, maybe. But after like 26, bro, you're saying it's the this for me. That's just my personal opinion. Go off if you want to. If you still want to do that when you're 30, by all means, go for it. Not me, though, but go off, I guess. But um, 
We'll get into intersectionality in another time, but tokenism with the LGBTQ plus community really exists. And I don't know if I can tell my friend's story. I don't want to presume I can tell his story. So I'm going to hold off on that. But um, tokenism and LGBTQ plus community, I will say an example of that is not just in TV, but the same, the same example with tokenism with this black woman in the tech company. Let's say a gay man wants to apply for this tech company coding job. He has an excellent resume, beautiful projects, a beautiful portfolio, and everything, the whole nine yards, the whole beautiful, fabulous chef's kiss resume. Every employer's wet dreams resume. And boom, he gets hired, and then they treat him like shit. That's exactly what it is. Not only was it in an example of intersectionality, intersectionality comes in, The man is a gay man, a black man. Hence, tokenism and intersectionality collide. There you go. That's a very, very brief example. And if you wanna learn more, Google is free. (laughs) I have briefly touched on intersectionality, very briefly, another time, but I would love to dedicate a whole episode to it because tokenism and intersectionality do go hand in hand with both of them. Um, but if you want to look it up, if you want to look up intersectionality, you can look up on Google. It's like I-N-T-E-R-S-E-C-T-I-O-N-A-L-I-T-Y. God, I hope I said that right. Just my brain is not computing today. But moving on aside from, you know, tokenism in real life, you know, in real life. I also saw a long time ago a woman she came forward on twitter she was saying how her previous job i don't remember which company it was but she was saying how she was exactly like literally everything she described of what this company was doing to her brief example of tokenism and i just wish more people would come forward about it like if you're no longer working for this company that treated you like the token i really want to hear your stories i really do um but yeah really i've had tokenism in the experience of real life with people Um, but I have not yet to experience tokenism in a workplace. I'm very blessed to say that. I'm very thankful for that. I know a lot of people cannot say the same. Um, and some people have made their living, like their life living hell at work or at school, whatever it may be. And I'm so sorry if that's ever happened to you. Um, I'm sending you a lot of healing if that's ever happened to you, really. There's nothing more frustrating than you trying to get money or trying to provide for yourself or get an education and then somebody just wants to be on the fucking side corner criticizing every fucking thing you do and all of a sudden in like the whole company or the whole university is like, we're all about diversity and you know inclusivity and then all of a sudden behind closed doors is not the case. So sending you a lot of love for all that that have been through tokenism of any kind whether it's in friendships, in workplaces, in a school, whatever it may be, bullying even. And it goes a lot deeper than that. I I can assure you there's probably multiple people in the world that have gotten very deep with the concept of tokenism. Um, I have yet to meet anyone and I hope it's not as common as I feel like it is, but um, yeah, I would love to hear from people that have suffered through that and dealt with it and learned from it and grown from it as well. But moving on to tokenism on TV and strictly only for TV purposes. And so I'm gonna be mentioning some of the shows I have personally watched, me myself as a individual, and and then also a 
An example of when tokenism or like is not in play and how to do a TV show correctly. So the TV shows I will be mentioning are Young and Hungry, which by the way, I thought I wrote down the names of the directors, but I guess I did not. So first show is Young and Hungry, which I will tell you who is responsible for the show. Okay, so the creator of Young and Hungry is David Holden, and he gives, like, here's the rundown on Google, which I can also tell you, like, the actual plot of the show, but long story short, Young and Hungry by David Holden, and let's see, um, let's see, let's see, Naruto, Honestly, I'll get into that. I'll get into that. You're probably like, oh my God, not Naruto. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and the author is Masashi Kishimoto. I, I know I butchered. I know I butchered their first name, but yes. <laughs> I thought I had their names um, written down, the names of the creators and stuff like that. And then the third show I will be mentioning is Emily in Paris. Emily in Paris by oh it does not say it does not say wow okay that's weird um creator I could have sworn uh I believe Darren Star so Emily in Paris created by Darren Star and then the OG original and I do mean the original, not the one on HBO Max, Gossip Girl. Oh, Gossip Girl is such a prime example of tokenism. I'm so sorry. And uh, it is actually a book, I believe, but I don't know. It was narrated by Kristen Bell, but not really. I'm actually disrespecting all of Gossip Girl right now, literally. Um, Josh Schwartz. So Gossip Girl by Josh Schwartz, the original Gossip Girl. And then the show Pretty Smart that just came out on Netflix very recently. Pretty Smart um, Creator. I thought I wrote these down, you guys. I'm so sorry. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Created by Jack Dolgen and Doug Mand. So Pretty Smart created by Jack Dolgen and Doug Mand is our last show that we're going to be mentioning today (sighs) now you guys (laughs) there's a lot to unpack with tv so like i said i'm a huge tv freak i love it so much however the tv shows that i will be mentioning oh and then also not pretty smart will not be the last show i'm going to add in the show dexter not dexter new blood i'm talking dexter the first original series and i will explain why to all of this Literally, all your questions will be answered. So like, oh girl. So I'm like, buckle your seatbelts, you guys. We're calling out tokenism on TV. So like I said, the first TV show mentioned is Young and Hungry, created by David Holden, I believe. Sorry, you guys. I'm a fucking mess. (laughs) Uh, I am so out of it, you guys. (laughs) I'm so out of it. (sighs) Yep, David Holden. I thought I wrote these down, you guys. I'm sorry. But anyway, let's just unpack it. All right. So Young and Hungry, created by David Holden. So 
Young and Hungry is one of my favorite TV shows, personally. It's the writing is fucking hilarious to me. It's like totally my sense of humor. Totally. However, it has its flaws. Incredible flaws. So many flaws. And I'm talking about the character flaws, aka the tokenism behind the show. So there are five characters to know about in total. And then three will be the ones that I focus on five characters miss gabby diamond she is a chef and she's also a aspiring like professional chef she works for her boss josh kaminsky kaminsky who is a tech uh, mogul the third character to mention is sofia rodriguez she is miss gabby diamond's best friend and roommate of years they grew up in florida then they ended up moving to san francisco so gabby and Sophia could pursue their own dreams and live their own lives. Then our next character are or characters are Miss Elliot Park. He is the publicist of Josh Kaminsky, the tech mogul. And then we have Yolanda. Actually, did we ever get? I don't even think we got her last name. That's how fucked up it's getting. Okay, so Miss Yolanda. She is a housekeeper for Josh Kaminsky and. Her and Elliot work together along with Gabby Diamond. So all three of them, Miss Elliot, no, whoa, Miss Gabby Diamond, Mr. Elliot Park, and Miss Yolanda, all three work together for Josh Kaminsky, the tech mogul, in his huge-ass penthouse or whatever. And here we go. And Sophia is the roommate, the best friend as well. The only characters you need to know. I'm assuming that was five, to be honest with you. (laughs) I did not count. And so... The issue what I have with these shows, or this show in particular, Young and Hungry, the three characters, Elliot, Yolanda, and Sophia, and how they were written. Elliot. He is an Asian publicist, or he's just Asian. <laughs> I don't know why I put them together. He's Asian. His occupation is publicist, and he works for Josh Kaminsky. And I, I want to say that he got like kind of the I want to assume like I don't really want to like I don't I can't speak for David Holden like I literally was not in the room when they created these characters whatsoever but he is like more lighter skin tone I guess you can say like I we're gonna get very technical let's get really technical yes he's the lighter type of skin if that makes sense he's also an Asian man Um, But he has a very nice job. He's a publicist. And his husband, um, Alan, is not the breadwinner in their relationship. Elliot is. And also, Elliot's character is terribly unbearable. Like, it's funny when you're just watching a character show. Like, it's just funny when, like, there's one really grouchy, mean, and, like, sassy, yet just terrible character like jade west from victorious you think she's funny she was my favorite character but in reality when you really look into his perspective there are just some characters that they were real people you would want to slap the shit out of them elliot park is one of them all right he's he's funny but he's rude sometimes and then the more i watch the show because i've seen this show maybe like a thousand times like i love the show because it's funny like the writing of it it's like quirky it's like really really funny to me it's witty it's just like good writing to me And when I'm down and I'm feeling sad about what's going on in my life or I just need something to laugh at, I need to watch Young and Hungry. It's my favorite show or one of my favorite shows of all time when it comes to comedy. 
but I know there's flaws and I know that I can pinpoint them because people are like, oh, how are you going to watch the shows if you really don't agree with them? It's like, I can enjoy a show and also pick out the problems with it. That's just how life is. You can enjoy something, but know that there's things that are wrong with it. That's also AKA being aware of your surroundings and being aware of real life and real people and stereotypes and TV. And so I will wrap up with Elliot, but he's like grouchy he's sassy he's really really fucking mean to gabby diamond he's like really disrespectful to her like workplace harassment type of like disrespect and josh kaminsky they like they pretty much act like they're all close like they're all close enough to be rude to but like honestly it's just like really disrespectful and then he's also really mean to yolanda heavily like calling her fat like calling her this this and that and also Yolanda's also really disrespectful to him just like kind of their dynamic is just like two employees like at each other all the time but they make it funny for some reason I don't know it's like a when you really look into the actual show of it it's kind of weird but the writing is just chef's kiss whoever the writer is for the writing or scripting fabulous job fabulous job and so Moving on to Miss Yolanda. Now, Yolanda is a black housekeeper and she is known to have a drinking and, um, what's it called? A, like, drug problem. Like, she doesn't have an addiction. They just make her, like, her entire personality is just, like, doing nothing on the job and being lazy and always doing her job drunk or high or any of those things. And it's just funny because they're like, oh my gosh, she's the, like, funnier end of the stick. I'm like, no, no. And my problem with this character, or like how they wrote Miss Yolanda, okay. She's my favorite character, truly. She is my personal favorite character because she's funny and she is witty. And also, she's a black woman, hello. But also, what I don't agree with as, at all is one, I'm like I'm really thinking about it. They never gave me even her real last name, like her character last name. And Yolanda's played by Kim Whitley, who also looks very much like, what was her name? Like Jackie, I can't remember her last name. Like those two actresses that look very similar to one another, but Yolanda's played by Kim Whitley. She is hilarious. Oh, I just love her as an actress and as like a bubbly personality. And also she gives Yolanda life. She gives Yolanda like the character of life. And she's my personal favorite character. She is hilarious. Of course, literally she's hilarious. But my problem with this character and how they wrote Yolanda is that they never gave her a solid ending nor a proper storyline aside from being a black housekeeper. That's what I don't fuck with because at the end, like the very last episode, the very last one of the entire show, everyone has a partner, okay? Josh and Gabby end up dating. They're they're getting married. They're getting married. Sophia and her boyfriend Nick together Elliot and Alan been married still married in the TV show at the very end and Yolanda's left with a possibility if that makes sense so the ending is on a boat that Josh buys and then the captain ends up falling in love with Yolanda quote we don't even get to see the full you know reveal or like how it unravels into like their relationship as two characters in love or two possible characters that are going to be in love but everyone else got their love story and how they ended up together like every one of the characters got their quote ending with their partners that they are dating in the show 
and their characters. That is what I don't really fuck with. And also, they wrote in that Yolanda goes back to her cheating ex-husband and she keeps getting hurt by him every single time like on per- like it's like they wrote her to make her seem like she's an idiot to fall in love again and Josh is over here like dude like what are you doing like you would cry to me i've i've worked with you my whole life basically and i've seen you cry on my couch i've seen you cry all the time when you used to come in here why do you keep going back to him blah 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 and the only real moment between Elliot and Yolanda is when Josh buys a piano or he's gifted a piano for his, um, what's it called? Like his dining room area. And Elliot's known for playing the piano. He's a really talented pianist or yeah, pianist. And there's an episode dedicated to whole Elliot just playing the piano and like Yolanda reminiscing on her good times with her husband or her ex-husband, sorry. And she was like, oh, I had a sex dream about you because I just, I keep thinking of my ex Coleman. I keep thinking of him. Like, it's just so bad. And also it's just like, they didn't give her the proper storyline that she should have. She carried the whole show. Are you kidding me? She wasn't unbearable. She was a mother. She had compassion for people. I loved her character. I really did. And I wish I got to know more about her. I wish I got to know more of what they could have done with her. If there were, I think I got canceled after season five, but also it's like, I know some TV shows end abruptly because like they just want to end the show and call it a day. But like I said, they had five seasons to give her a beautiful, positive reflection of a black woman, aside from being a black housekeeper and a motherly stereotype, but they didn't. And that's my issue. That is my issue with Young and Hungry. They did Yolanda probably the worst out of all three of these characters I'm mentioning today. But like I said, I really wish that they gave Yolanda more of a positive, more fulfilling. I wish they gave her like a dream. I wish they gave her like a reason to being there aside from being just like a drunk black housekeeper with a white man, working for a white man, blah, blah, blah. That's what I don't fuck with. That's what I'm really like, oh, like this isn't something I fuck with at all. I'm sorry. Yeah, she gave the character life. That's because Kim Whitley as the actress did. If it wasn't for her, Yolanda would have been a terrible character. But hence, I I mean, I digress. But the next character, last but not least on these um, three characters in the show, Young and Hungry, Sofia Rodriguez love her she's gorgeous to me she's like really fucking pretty i'm like obsessed with her but what i don't love well here's her here's the breakdown before i even get into why i don't like how they wrote her um she's a dominican woman and she plays into the spicy latina stereotype okay that she's like oh like call me a little so so like you know it was just kind of like oh like yeah like i'm spicy i'm a latina or whatever And they didn't end with a proper storyline for her either. And look, the entire show is predominantly based on the character Gabby Diamond. She is the main character, the main one. She is the main character, okay? And her love story and love triangle with Josh Kaminsky and Gabby Diamond, their entire TV show is based off that. However, I understand that they wrote her to be the main character. And that Sophia is just the sidekick. But here's the problem. If you have seen that show, or no, not show, film, Clueless, 
who was the sidekick? I remember seeing a post about this um, a while ago about tokenism. And the main, or like the first photo and, you know, criticizing the TV, or like, no, the film was Clueless, the main white character and her black sidekick. Or her, quote, minority sidekick, if you will. That is exactly what Gabby Diamond and Sofia Rodriguez are. Sofia is the minority sidekick of um, Gabby Diamond, the white woman. And, um, and also, Gabby Diamond is played by Emily Osmond, just so you're aware. Um, yes, Lily from Hannah Montana. If you didn't know, now you know. And so, I knew that that was flawed the second I first saw, I saw the show. I knew it was flawed and I really didn't fuck with it. I was like, ooh. And in the whole show of five seasons, keep in mind, Gabby was a terrible friend. Gabby was a horrible friend. Gabby, Miss Gabby Diamond as a character was a terrible friend. Like you think it's funny because they're friends. It's a character. You, like, you're playing into that fantasy world of a TV show. When you're watching a TV show, nothing has to make sense. Sometimes you don't even feel like doing into the heavy work. Like I've had TV shows where I'm so tired. I'm watching it or I'm rewatching it and I just know that it wouldn't slide in this era of time. Or I would just be like, that's not something I agree with, but I'm really tired to even go into that mental state of me criticizing something. But I am here now to criticize that Gabby Diamond and Sofia Rodriguez, oh my God, Sofia Rodriguez, our characters. And Gabby was incredibly inconsiderate of Sofia. Gabby had these crazy plans, crazy antics, crazy methods of everything. And the situations are hilarious. Literally, like the situations are fucking hilarious. It's like kind of like that's so Raven when like Miss Raven Simone, which also also a prime example of diversity done correctly in a TV show, which I will really emphasize again. But that's so Raven. It's like the times where if you've seen the show, like Miss Raven, she always comes up with really funny costumes and she always wears them. She always wants to like try. It always plays a role in how the 30 minute, if not 20 minute episode pans out of like the plot of the episode, right? That's exactly what Young and Hungry was doing. And like within a 20 to 30 minute scheme, there would be crazy, crazy, crazy plots. And since Gabby and Josh were having such a, you know, dramatic love romance storyline anytime josh did something she would always come to like sophia and be like you know what josh did this time you know what this happened <gasps> oh my god my mic no honestly why does this never stay right i'm sorry you guys you're probably hearing me play with the mic but it fell but let me go back <sighs> oh my god this is so intense i'm literally talking about only one show i have like five more to go to i'm probably just going to speed through those but we'll get to the point and so she like Miss Gabby Diamond failed Sophia Rodriguez completely as a friend and in the actual grander scheme of things as a character. And like I said, at the, like in the very beginning about the show Young and Hungry, um, that Sophia ended up having her like, you know, her final like last moment of like, oh, like this is what, you know, who she ends up with dating wise. But Throughout the five seasons, like the first three seasons, heavily focus on Gabby and Josh and their relationship dynamic and all their struggles and their issues. And then I'm not going to lie to you. I I know that we want to be there for friends. I know that it's a 
an important thing to have. Like it's important to be there for your friends and love them. But when I tell you that this show was a prime example of how maybe real friends in real life go through all this hell, I promise you no, like it can be a character in a fantasy world all you want. No person's going to put up with someone's love triangle for a long time. If I had a friend that kept going back and forth with the same guy for maybe three years, maybe a little over than that, like Miss Gabby and Josh did and Sophia has to be the one to hear every single thing, I promise you nobody would put up with that. 1,000% nobody would. Not a soul would put up with that shit. I know I wouldn't. If I had to hear my friend talking about the same guy over and over, what he has done, what he hasn't done, blah, 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 I would be pretty fucking pissed. I would be so upset. I'd be like, oh my God, like, I can't be friends with you anymore. Like, I can't. Like, we can't be friends. Like, this is so fucking annoying. You're annoying me. <sighs> I just need a breath. God, okay. We're good now. Okay. So, they just did Sophia wrong. And look, they did her in the sense of like, oh, she got her dream guy. But I don't even know, like, to this day, I don't even know what her, quote, job is as a character in the show when the show ends because she went through a law firm i think that was her first job that was her first quote character job and she was an assistant only then she figured out that she wanted to be a writer so then she goes after that and then they make her life a living hell and also i would like to point out that she was the only quote looking minority in the whole room when they panned the room to her being in this quote office of her being in a you know writing magazine and guess who her boss is logan rawlings played by ashley tisdale i mean i love my girl ashley tisdale i can't even hate but another hence a white woman and the two other characters that she meets are both white men where was the diversity that's what i mean and then she ends up, you know, doing, you know, writing, but also her boss makes her life her living hell. She's her assistant, you know, she applies to be Logan Rawlings' assistant so she can have more doors to be open to her writing an article. And then eventually gets her first article and she has nothing to write about. And then she is just like frustrated. It's like they're making her have these opportunities as a Latina, but they keep making it harder for her to attain, harder for her to succeed, harder for her to even grasp in her hands and then at some point at the very end of the show she's a waitress or something with gabby they work together for a moment and i don't even know and then they rush to the very end of the season like i said some tv shows end abruptly but like i said they had five seasons to make solid characters with solid plot lines and solid dreams and endings where was that i digress tokenism <laughs> anyways you heard me now next naruto now, I didn't have time to write down why I put Naruto, but I know why. There are no black anime characters. Not a one. And believe it or not, you guys, believe it or not, more black anime characters should exist because I think I saw, I don't remember the name of it, but there was a black anime coming out of an Asian and black man. Like literally, like he was the director, like he created it for this purpose of inclusivity, like bless his heart. I wish I could find it. Hopefully my targeted ads will show me the, sh the show online on Twitter again so I can finally go on, find it and watch it because I would love to know more. And it's just about having to make these rooms for inclusivity. It's hard. It's hard to fight that. And I was telling my friend Eric the other day, I was like, dude, I just can't stand this tokenism shit. I can't, I can't do it. Like I can't. 
I've already seen so many TV shows in my life that I'm just like, when I see an all white cast, I'm just like, I'm done. I don't even wanna watch the show, I'm sorry. What struggles are you gonna possibly have? Oh, your mom left you when you were three? Cool, uh, like that happens in real life. Okay, and where are the real characters? Where are the real people with real struggles? That's what I would like to see. I digress. So I put Naruto because one, no black characters, not a one. And I think the one black character, he comes in like, not even like middle, like towards the end of the manga. And not only that, he isn't in even every ever, and he's not in every episode or quote, in everything. I've only seen Naruto via Crunchyroll, all right? I've only seen it via Crunchyroll. I've not read the series, I've not read the manga, so don't come for my neck. But I can't remember off the top of my head what his name was, but he was like the only quote, darker toned anime character and I was just like whoa like I was like watching it the whole time it was Naruto Sakura Sasuke Kakashi um Lee like all of them not one of them had a darker skin tone not one of them are black not one of them and then I finally see one in the entire manga or the entire show I mean with no plot he's just some guy that he's like in a different village and he has powers or whatever but there's nothing to him the entire show is about naruto i get it look i know if you want to make a tv show about a certain character and then base the entire character off that i get it i completely understand but you gotta add characters with you know characters of color with actual plot lines and happy endings or terrible endings but give it a reason why give it a purpose god give <sighs> Give minorities in TV shows, whether it's animated or not, whether it's real actors or not, give them storylines, give them purpose, give them dreams, give them aspirations, give them goals. So someone that's watching that can see like, I can do that too. That's for me. I see myself in them because that shit matters deeply and intensely you may not think it does you may think like oh i don't care it matters and then when there's lack of inclusivity for yourself let's say me i'm a proving woman do you see me did you see any tv show with proving women do you at all not a one so i have to make that space for myself i have to walk into a room and make that space for myself i have to fight for that table or a seat if you will and I shouldn't have to. I should not fucking have to. Do you know how many cultures get pushed aside because it's not talked about in media and you're probably like, well, we live in the US. I'm like, I don't wanna hear that. You wanna know why? Because there are millions of immigrants that come to the US every fucking day from different parts of the world with different pasts, different problems, different issues they have faced. And you may not tell me, well, I don't know why we should be talking about that because they don't, they're like, we live in America. We're in the US, I'm like, ah, wrong wrong you're completely wrong do you know how many immigrants immigrate to the states you know how many of them billions seeking opportunities like me and you and everyone else in the room you are no different no one else is and it's harder for some people it really is and it shouldn't have to be but <sighs> anyways my next tv show which i <laughs> emily in paris emily in paris now <laughs> There's a lot of flaws with this TV show. So many, so many. But we're going to talk about the tokenism part, obviously. Emily in Paris. <laughs> 
So the entire cast is predominantly white, of course, except for two characters, Julian and, or Julian, Julian and Alfie. So far, the only two black characters, Julian, which I will say, I, I will say, um, he works at a high-end marketing team. He works with Emily and everyone else, but Emily does steal his spotlight and his clients at some point in one of the episodes, which also is like, mm, I don't fuck with that. And also, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm sorry, but Miss Emily in Paris, your entire cast is just white. I'm sorry. And the main character is a white woman. So, sorry. Like, And also, what I can't stand, what I can't stand is, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Emily in Paris, you might want to like skip this part, but spoilers are coming. So Miss Emily, she falls in love with Gabrielle, a hot chef. All right, and she ends up being the homewrecker because he has a he has a girlfriend. And long story short, we don't get into that. But she ends up meeting a guy named Alfie. He's from London. He's British. All right. He's chef's kiss, you guys. He's gorgeous. I'm like, I swear to God, I know what's happening. He's gonna she's gonna pick Alfie over Gabriel. I mean, she's not going to pick Alfie. She's going to pick Gabriel over Alfie. I just know it. And I was right. Or at least I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm pretty sure. Because the last episode of the last recent season ends on a cliffhanger where she's like, I made my decision. Quote ends. She's already dating Alfie. They're already getting serious. And then she's like, but Gabriel. And I'm like, no, bitch. No, no, no. Nah. I know you are not about to throw out this delicious, gorgeous man that loves you and is happy to be with you. For some Gabriel guy that's a white man and the most cliche ending for every TV show there is when it comes to romance. It's always the white main character that falls in love with the other white main character. But no, they had a possibility of another, you know, you know, actor that's a black man or a you know, Latina, or whatever, or an Asian man, whatever. And you, I know for a fact, these writers and directors are gonna pick Gabriel. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back to this and be like, I was wrong. But I'm pretty sure that her favorite is Gabriel. I end my statement there. That's it, that's all I have, sorry. And then, Gossip Girl, the original one. When you watch the show back, if you've seen the show, long story short, Gossip Girl is about um, uh, anonymous blogger who really makes life a living hell for every single character, Serena, Blair, Chuck, Nate, you name it, they were put through hell, especially Serena and Blair, but whatever, I digress. So the problem I have with Gossip Girl, there was not one black woman, black, black man. And the one black woman that was there for like, maybe like, I don't know what, I don't even remember what season, but she dated Nate. No, she first dated Chuck. Her name was Raina. And, or no, two black, black characters. One, Raina, and then two, Russell Thorpe. And Russell Thorpe was Raina's mom. Or no, Raina's um, dad. And he has a really shady past or something like that. And he ends up going to jail for his really shadiness. And then Raina, she's being used for the company because Chuck's trying to get back his shares and his hotel or whatever. And then he ends up using Raina at first. Then he ends up liking her. She finds out. Then she ends up dating his best friend, Nate, or Chuck's best friend, Nate. They go together. And then Chuck is asking him to lie to her about something, about the passing of her real mother because Russell and Chuck are in negotiations and in business. Hence, he sleeps with her for 
connections to his to her father, Raina's father, Russell Thorpe. You can look up the whole ordeal on Google. There's definitely Gossip Girl Wikipedia for you to understand the tension between them. But that was the only black character I saw. The only two black characters. Not one of them really had a solid plan. They were both being used, literally. And then Russell Thorpe goes to jail. I digress. You are you can see how that's a flaw. And now I move on to the show Pretty Smart, which is also different characters. Same actress Emily Osmond, she's the main character. Greg Sulkin's in it. Like I'm seeing I started the show and I just knew how cringy it was. It was like kind of a predictable show. And Emily, I wanted to watch it because Emily Osment was in it. And I was like, mm, I want to see. I want to see what's going on. And so the first three episodes I watched, I, I was like intrigued a little bit, but not really because I was like really hating how there wasn't a lot of diversity. There were two, I think, you know, Latin, Latinos in there. I didn't really get a chance to see. I can't really fully um, judge it, but there were just like two, quote, Latinos in the show. I didn't get to see their full, you know, um, quote, like, possibility and storylines, but one of them was a masseuse, excuse me, guys, and the second one was a social media influencer. Very, very LA, and I don't really remember the plot of it. You can look it up pretty smart, but I just clicked off after episode three. I was like, I can't do this. I've already seen Greg Sulkin. I've already seen Emily Osment. There's barely anything to go off of. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people that have seen the full show and there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of storylines or whatever, but I don't really think so. And I'm moving on to the last show of tokenism in Flaw, Dexter, the original Dexter. If you don't know about Dexter, I'm obsessed with the show. It's one of my favorite shows of all fucking time. When the show came out, I was about maybe 10, 9, so I couldn't watch it. It was very violent. Um, But my sister and my mom... When we were when we just moved to Florida, my sister was obsessed with the show Dexter. And then years later, um, years later, my sister reminded me of it. She's like, now you're old enough to watch it. Like, watch the show. I was like, okay, fuck it. Yeah. I binged that in like less than a month. It was amazing. So if you don't know the show Dexter, it's played by Michael C. Hall. He also was a producer on Dexter New Blood. But he's basically a serial killer that kills bad guys and people that get away off the justice system very easily, like rapists, or quote, sorry, I should probably put a trigger warning, um, rapists, pedophiles, like those people, like terrible, terrible people. And he has like a really creepy past with his foster dad, his best his best friend, and also sister is Deborah, his adopted sister. Dexter was the adopted sibling of um, Deb Morgan, Harry Morgan, and I don't know their mom's name. They don't really go into the mom, but they both decided to adopt Dexter, or no, they all decided to adopt adopt Dexter Morgan. Um, Reasons I will not get into in detail because you can just watch the show, Google it. But the problem I have with the tokenism here is in the second season of Dexter, there are eight seasons in total, which I might add. I do, what I will point out in the positives is that the boss of the Miami Metro Homicide Department is Maria La Huerta. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman and she's in darker tone, but she's a woman in power and I love it. But they also give her her flaws, which I will not get into, but we're gonna talk about the main reason I put Dexter in the list. As I'm rewatching the show, because I watched it so long ago, and when the Dexter New Blood came out, I like barely remember anything that happened in the first few Dexter seasons of the eight series, the eight seasons. 
And then I remember that Dokes, Sergeant James Dokes, he is a police officer. He catches serial killers and he's a really like tough guy, like too aggressive sometimes. And also I will point out the flaw. He's a black man. I gave him an aggressive, you know, connotation. I'm like, I don't agree with that. That's not really true at all. And they just make him seem like a grouchy, grumpy guy. And then which I'm assuming happens because I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that he ends up being killed by Dexter to cover himself because James Dokes discovers Dexter, him being a serial killer, and he tries to frame him as the serial killer, as the Bay Harbor Butcher, which I don't fuck with. That's really fucked up to do to someone in general, but let alone you you frame the black man. You frame the black man to save yourself. I don't like that. I don't fuck with that at all. That within itself is a really fucked up, like, you know, situation because people have already seen the black community as, oh, they're so dangerous. They're so, oh, they're so dangerous. I'm like, that's not even true, like at all. And you giving like black men the stereotype that they're aggressive, that they're mean, that they're violent, just insinuates one, wrong, like that's completely false. Two, if these black men keep hearing those things that like oh like i'm considered violent i'm fucked up i'm mean i'm evil then they might act that way they might have to play into that stereotype it's sad and it's real it's fucked up and they made james sergeant james jokes a violent guy and then like his background is that he's been in armies he's been in wars he's been through a lot of shit but also they made him like unable to heal with that trauma and then heal from that PTSD and then boom, he gets framed for being a fucking serial killer when it's Dexter Morgan the whole time, obviously. That is where I have a problem. And I'm running out of time, but where I will say two shows that did diversity correctly, the show Girlfriends and the show That's So Raven. Girlfriends is about four women from LA, four black women from LA. They live their life just like going through life. They're both grown women experiencing heartbreak, um, job issues or just just what it is to be a black woman, a black man in society and go through like issues and struggles within them as people and as black women and men. And then the other, um, the four characters plus the man, the man character, Tony Childs, she's a real estate agent. <sighs> Joan Clayton, she's a lawyer or former lawyer, but she opens a restaurant at the very end. Maya Wilkes, she is a mother and an authoress. And Lynn Searcy, adopted, a free spirit, and then ends up being a musician, though. And then, uh, what's it called? William Dent, lawyer and ends up making senior partner. Now, all of their plots are so beautiful because I never even heard of the show Girlfriends. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never heard of it until the day it came out on Netflix and people were like, oh, Girlfriends is on Netflix, Girlfriends is on Netflix. And I was like, wait, what? I've never heard of the show, I'm down to watch it. I love it to this day. I rewatch it all the time. I'm rewatching it right now. I love it because there are real people, real actors, real characters with promise. Every single one of them as characters got beautiful storylines of pain, problems, but beauty at the same time. And with William Dent, he became a lawyer and then he became a boss. He became a senior partner. He got the best money, money could buy. He had a nice car. He had everything. They gave him the shining star of what it is and what success looks like for a black man or a black woman. 
That is how you do diversity. That is how you avoid tokenism in media and in TV shows. That is how you do a TV show. And not only should a TV show be considered, oh, this is for the, a certain community. No. I have never heard of the show Girlfriends prior to its Netflix dare date. Not once. It shouldn't have to be something that's, oh, this is a show for us, us as a community. No. It should be promoted as every other TV show is. It should be promoted on billboards. Like I said, I haven't heard of it prior. Maybe it was promoted several, several times. But I shouldn't have to hear about it years later after it's already over for me to know about the show. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to research this years later. If it wasn't for people posting about it, I would have never heard of the show. And that's where I have a flaw. That's a flaw. It shouldn't be like, it should be getting the right amount of promotion and excitement as the day it was released and as the day it's released on another streaming platform. That's where I'm, I'm at. And the second show I will mention, like I briefly mentioned earlier, is That's So Raven. If you don't know That's So Raven, it was a Disney show, but a very, oh, I would love that show. I still do. Of Raven Simone, or Raven Baxter, played by Raven Simone, as a aspiring fashion designer. But she is such a bubbly person. She makes everything fun. She makes everything like a challenge. But she always, and I mean always, gets her way. She will do whatever it takes to succeed. She is so funny. She is quirky. And she will do anything for her success in fashion or whatever it may be. Then her best friend's Chelsea Daniels, white woman. But her other best friend, Eddie Thomas, black man. And her two black parents with her little brother, played by Kyle Massey, Corey Baxter. Miss Raven's dad and Corey's dad is a, per, is a very successful chef with a successful restaurant. Mother is a lawyer. Corey, he's just a little too money obsessed, but we love him. We do. He ends up flourishing. He ends up growing up and maturing very well. And then Miss Raven, aspiring fashion designer, and she gets what she wants. She gets the dream internship and she gets paid at the end of the day. And she gets her work published, I believe. Yeah. Chelsea is always successful. She is rooting for Raven. There's no hate between them. There's no bad blood between them. And then Eddie is an aspiring musician. And he gets his wish as well. They all succeed. That is how you do diversity. That is how you show success, black success in TV and in media. That's how you do it. And you got to see Raven. And there was a one episode that's a very famous episode of, oh no, two famous episodes. One of them, but we're going to talk about race more importantly. Um, the very famous episode of how Chelsea and Raven both apply to be working at a store in the mall, a retail job. And Chelsea does a terrible job at her interview. Chelsea, her character's a little kooky and weird and kind of stupid. But she does a terrible job at her interview. Raven does an impeccable job. Of course, she's a fashion designer, an aspiring fashion designer. She takes very clothing, like she takes clothing seriously. And she does amazing in her interview, Raven. And then Chelsea is the only one that gets the job. And then it's revealed in the very, you know, mid episode or middle of the episode is that the woman that was hiring or doing their interview was racist. She was like, oh, I hired Chelsea because she's white. That's literally a TV show that happened in an episode on Disney Channel. And then it was eye-opening to like see that as a child and then years later, it's a very real thing. 
And I'm very glad that Disney had it happen and had it show. And with that, friends, I am out of time, but you know me. Thank you so much for listening. I'm out of breath, but um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you learned something and I will see you all next week. Bye.